Good afternoon. Oh, wow. We are reading uh, the last five chapters, I think, five or six chapters um, of The Midnight Gang. So, are we ready? Best get started, haven't we? So, chapter 56 is None Shall Sleep. The operating theatre was a huge, gleaming room with a wide glass window on one side. Big, bright lights were attached to the ceiling. They were so bright that you couldn't look directly at them or you would see stars. Tom wheeled Sally on her bed into the centre of the room. I am so excited, said Sally. Good. We are just about to begin. Is everyone ready? asked Tom. Ready, replied Amber, Robin and the porter. Not quite ready, called out George, who was fiddling with something. Right, now I am. Have you selected the music, Robin? asked Tom. Yes, replied Robin. As soon as you hear it start, let's all begin. <clears throat> As Robin placed one of his CDs into his player, the others took their respective places in the operating theatres. The music started. It was the unmistakable sound of the world's most famous opera aria, Nessun Dorma, by Puccini from the opera Turandot. The English translation for Ness and Dorma is None Shall Sleep. A fitting motto for the Midnight Gang. The recording was sung in Italian and the translation is None shall sleep, none shall sleep. Even you, O oh princess, in your cold room watch the stars that tremble with love and hope. The words could have been written about Sally. It was a fittingly majestic piece of music to accompany the next few minutes, which would represent a lifetime. From her bed, Sally watched with wonder as the children worked around her in the operating theatre. Oh, Robin was standing at the back of the room with a slide projector. As he heard his beloved opera aria begin, he flicked a switch on the projector and the machine whirred into life. The first slide was projected onto the wall of the operating theatre, right in front of Sally. It read, exam results. Sally giggled, oh no. Then Tom placed a square black hat on Sally's head that had been made from a cereal box. Next, he handed her a rolled up piece of paper in a red bow. Sally unrolled the exam certificate to see to her delight that she had received A stars in every subject imaginable. Yes, she said, I always knew I was a genius. It's just no one else knows it yet. Then Robin pressed the button for the next slide. 
first car. The porter gave Tom a dinner plate to pass to Sally. It had been drawn on with a black felt-tip pen to make it look like a steering wheel. The words Aston Martin, the famous luxury car manufacturer, had been written on it. Then the pair started spinning Sally's bed around as the girl pretended to drive. To add to the sense of speed, George ran in the opposite direction, past Sally's bed, holding small, fake, plastic Christmas trees. Then came first kiss. The porter then handed Tom a bunch of flowers and pushed him towards Sally. The boy bristled at the thought, so he passed on the flowers to George. George obviously wasn't a fan of kissing either, as he passed the flowers on to Amber. Amber took charge and ordered Tom to wheel her towards Sally. Then she handed her friend the flowers and gave her a peck on the cheek. As this chapter of Sally's life ended, another began. A holiday in the sun. The porter produced two dining trays that George and Tom strapped to Sally's feet with string. Then the porter handed the girl a piece of rope with a handle at the end. At first, Sally looked completely mystified about what was happening. The other end of the rope was attached to Amber's wheelchair. Then the porter pushed the wheelchair forward, which pulled Sally upright onto the trays. She was water skiing! Sally laughed at the cleverness of it, all, of it all. Next was wedding day. As Sally sat back down on her bed, Tom placed a bridal veil on her head. The veil had been made out of boxes and boxes of white tissue. George handed Sally back the bunch of flowers and instantly the girl looked like a bride on her wedding day. Next, the porter produced a black top hat that was really a bucket this was for the groom <gasps> but who was going to marry sally tonight the porter put the hat on tom's head who put it on george's head who put it on robin's head who had no one's head to put it on what's going on asked robin you're getting married said george to a girl? asked the boy. Yes, that's never going to happen, replied Robin. He took off his hat and passed it back to George, who put it on Amber's head. <laughs> Looks like you're marrying Amber, said the porter. I would love to, replied Sally. The porter then handed Amber a large metal ring, which she placed on Sally's finger. Despite it being not gold and too big and clearly from a shower curtain. A tear rolled down Sally's cheek. The wedding might not have been real, but the feeling was. Tom and George had bags of rice that they threw over the happy couple. The porter flicked the lights on and off to mimic a camera's flash. It was the perfect wedding shot. Tell me what you can see, called out Robin eagerly. Sally is crying, replied Tom. 
Happy tears or sad tears? Happy, cried Sally, wiping them away. Robin smiled and pressed the button for the next chapter. Baby. At seeing this word, Sally began to giggle. How were they going to conjure up a baby? Oh my goodness, surely they hadn't borrowed one from the maternity ward. George put on a nurse's hat and handed the girl a bundle wrapped up in a blanket. Sally felt the bundle move and opened it out to reveal Professor Pigeon under there. The bird was wearing a little baby's bonnet fashioned from a, a rubber surgical glove. On seeing the bird's face, she smiled and she stroked it, its head, tenderly. It cooed. Then the Midnight Gang was straight on to the next chapter in Sally's life. Job! The porter directed the boys to slide into view a hospital screen that was painted to make it look like the door to 10 Downing Street, the famous home of the British Prime Minister. They placed it behind Sally, who chuckled. Ha ha ha, I always knew I'd get the top job. Meanwhile, the porter placed a crown on Amber's head. This was made from a strip of cereal packet cardboard. Brightly wrapped sheets, sweets had been sticky taped to the side. The different coloured shiny papers in white, green and red, matron had eaten all the purple ones, gave the appearance of oh, diamonds and oh, emeralds and rubies. Robin flicked the light switch on and off. Click! It was like the flash of a camera taking a photograph of the Prime Minister meeting the Queen. Grandchildren read the next slide. So soon, cried Sally as she was handed six little baby pigeons that must have just hatched, wrapped up in a towel. Professor Pigeon had become a mother and Sally a grandmother. Six babies, cried Sally. Sex tuplets, said Amber. Not real babies, I hope, called out Robin. Baby pigeons, replied Sally. I love them all. As Ness and Dorma reached its thrilling crescendo, the Midnight Gang circled their friend's bed with the props and costumes from her life. Amber put her crown back on. George pushed the door to 10 Downing Street round and round. The porter took the six baby pigeons back and pulled the rope so the girl could water ski again. Ness and Dorma came to a magnificent end, with the opera singer holding the last note for what seemed like forever. Sally was helped to stand up and took a bow. This is my life, cried the girl. The whole group cheered her. Hooray! At that moment, out of the corner of his eye, Tom spotted something. On the other side of the huge window in the operating theatre, a crowd had gathered. The hospital principals of Quentin Strillers 
were standing at the front and behind him were a dozen or so serious looking doctors and nurses staring at them. The porter noticed that Tom was distracted by something. What's the matter, Tom? he whispered. Look, replied the boy, the porter, Amber, George and Sally all followed the boy's gaze to see the group standing on the other side of the glass. Oh no, said Tom. We are in deep, deep trouble. Chapter 57, Make Her Smile. There was an eerie silence for a moment while the two groups stared at each other through the glass that divided the operating theatre from the observation room. Then the most unexpected thing happened. The hospital principal, Sir Quentin Strillers, began to applaud. The doctors and nurses behind him began clapping too. From the looks on their faces, it was clear they were deeply moved by what they had seen. What's going on? asked Robin. Um, it doesn't look like we're in trouble after all, replied Tom. Strillers rushed into the room, flanked by his doctors and nurses. That was beautiful, the man cried. Breathtakingly beautiful. Thank you, said Amber. It was mainly my idea. Tom looked over to George and the porter and rolled his eyes. Well then, young lady, mighty congratulations are in order. Do you know what the most moving part was? Me pressing the buttons on the projector, asked Robin. The principal didn't get the boy's dry sense of humour, so answered him seriously. No, young man, although your button pressing was top, top notch. What was truly wonderful was to see this little patient of mine smiling. With that, he patted Sally on the head awkwardly. The girl had been smiling right up to that moment. Now Sally was rather annoyed that the man, this man she barely knew was patting her like a dog. All the doctors and nurses, in fact everyone here at Lord Funt Hospital, have been working so hard to help young Susie. Sally, said Sally, are you sure? asked Strillers. Uh, yes, replied Sally. My name is Sally. Definitely. I'd remember that. She can change her name to Susie if it helps you, Sir Quentin offered up Robin. No, that won't be necessary, boy, said the principal, once again not getting the joke. But one thing we never did, never even thought of doing, was to make her smile. Thank you so much, Sir, A Sir Quentin, said Amber, taking all the credit again. My name is Amber, by the way, if you're thinking of recommending anyone for a damehood. 
So Quentin, it's very important you know we couldn't have done it without this man, said Tom, hugging the porter tightly. He is the man you sacked. Oh, yes, yes, murmured Strollers. Well, my decision has been troubling me all day. After all, it was the great Lord Funt himself who took this man in as a baby. The porter smiled. And he grew up here, continued Sister Sir Quentin, and he's had a job here for many years. Forty-four years, remarked the porter. Oh, is it really? Well, it's safe to say that Lord Funt Hospital is your home. It always has been and always will be. Seeing the look of joy on Sally's face has made me realise you might just be the best person we have here at the hospital. Oh, forgive me, gentlemen and ladies, but this man is worth a hundred doctors and nurses. Well, the doctors and nurses murmured their disapproval. Thank you, Sir Quentin, sir, replied the porter proudly. We look after the, the children's illnesses and injuries well here at the hospital, continued Strillers, but we don't do nearly enough for their happiness. Porterman, um, sorry, what is your actual name? I don't know, said the porter. I was never given one. What? Why? The principal was flabbergasted. Surely... Everyone has a name. Well, my mother gave me up the day I was born, continued the porter, and nobody adopted me, so I suppose no one ever thought to give me a name. That isn't right, said Robin, being serious for once. Oh, we must find you a name, said Sir Quentin. Is there any that you fancy? I like Thomas, replied the porter. Tom smiled bashfully. Thomas it is, announced the principal. And of course, Thomas, you have a job here for life. Just promise me that there will be no more flying naked old lady incidents. Thomas Senior smiled. I'll try. Now, it's very late, said Sir Quentin, checking the gold pocket watch that hung from his waistcoat on a chain. I need you all to go back to your beds at once. Yes, sir, murmured the children. Let me put a call up to Matron to collect you from down here, said the principal. Oh, no, jumped in Tom a little too fast, remembering that she was sprawled out like a starfish on the floor. Oh, our friend here, Thomas Senior, can take us up. Off you go, then, and I don't want to hear another beep out of you all night. Thomas Senior smiled and began to wheel Sally and her bed out of the operating theatre as the other four children followed. No, Sally needs to go back to the isolation ward, ordered Sir Quentin. The children all looked downcast. But I don't want to, protested Sally. I I want to be with my friends, please. 
Well, the principal looked distinctly uncomfortable. Surrounded by his doctors and nurses, he needed to be seen to do the right thing. This girl was ill. The hospital had a duty of care. The man looked around at everyone. Murmurs of let her be with her friends, make the girl happy and give her what she wants could be heard. All right, bellowed the principal. Sally, you may go back to the children's ward, but just for tonight. Yes, came a shout. Everyone in the room celebrated the good news. But I want lights out straight away and you all need to get a good night's sleep. As if we would dream of doing anything else, sir, uh, replied Robin with a smirk. Chapter 58. Tonight is forever. It was three in the morning by the time the Midnight Gang were all back in the ward. Even though she had always been vile to them, the children felt guilty about Matron lying in a heap on the floor. So with Thomas Senior's help, they placed her on one of the beds so she would have a good night's sleep. They even tucked her in. Thomas Senior took himself off to Matron's office to have a doze. As Matron snored away, the Midnight Gang played games, shared sweets and told stories. When the excitement had died down a little and George, Robin and Amber began to doze off, Sally turned to Tom. Thank you, Tom, she said. It was so kind of you to give me your dream. That's what the Midnight Gang is all about, replied the boy, putting your friends first. Well, then, you have been the best friend ever. Thank you. You should try and get some sleep. I just wanted to ask you, yes, what would your dream have been? The one you wanted to come true? I know it sounds stupid, especially next to yours, but what? I just want to see my mum and dad. That's not stupid. I miss them so much. Where are they? Oh, far away. In the desert somewhere, when I was hiding in the basement, I overheard Matron say she'd put the phone down on, on them again and again. What? And my headmaster burned their letters. That's disgusting. I know. I used to think that they didn't care about me. But now you know they do. I hope so, Sally. I just want to see them. You will. I know it, said Sally with a twinkle in her eye. After a moment, she added, I have to say it's been the most amazing night, Tom. It's been the adventure of a lifetime. Good. You deserve it. You are very special. But you need to go to sleep now. I don't want to. I want tonight to last forever. But it couldn't. Nothing can. As much as all the children on the ward wanted time to stand still and for them all to live in this moment forever, 
The morning sun shone through the high windows. The night was over. Chapter 59. My bottom hurts. As dawn broke, all was finally still and quiet on the children's ward. But just as Tom closed his eyes to finally try to get some sleep, he heard a familiar voice echoing down the ward. It was Sir Quentin Strillers. Matron, he bellowed, what are you doing lying in bed? Tom opened one eye. Wake up, woman, shouted Strillers. I don't pay you to sleep on the job. The matron stirred. Where am I? You're in bed. At, at home? No, in the hospital. Am I ill? She asked. The sleeping serum that Tom injected into her must have really knocked her out. My bottom hurts. No, you are not ill, matron, but you are in deep, deep trouble. The other children all began waking up. They could barely contain their glee at hearing their adversary being told off like this. I am so, so sorry, sir, she said. Sorry isn't good enough, matron. I am taking you off the children's ward at once. You are now on toilet cleaning duty until further notice. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, sorry, sir, replied Matron. The lady stumbled out of bed and scrambled out of the ward, one shoe on, one shoe off, clutching her sore bottom. Seeing that Sir Quentin was approaching Tom's bed, the boy shut his eyes in a pantomime of sleep. Boy, wake up! It's time for you to leave the hospital. Still, Tom pretended to be asleep. He didn't want to leave the children's ward. Not now, not ever. It was only when he felt a sharp prod of a finger on his arm that he realised he could no longer pretend. But, but I don't want to go back to my horrible boarding school, sir, pleaded the boy. That's fine by me. It's not your headmaster who is here to collect you. No, the boy couldn't think who it could be. No, it's your mother and father. Chapter 60. Long Forgotten Shock Ice. The tall double doors at the end of the children's ward swung open and Tom's mum and dad entered. Tommy! screamed his mother. She opened her arms and Tom ran towards her. The woman scooped him up and gave him the biggest hug. Tom's father was not so good at such moments and gave his son a manly pat on the back. Good to see you, son, he said. Tom's mum and dad had deep tans from being out in the desert and were dressed in clothes better suited to being there. It was clear they must have rushed to be here. A young girl called Sally phoned us and said we should come and see you, said Mum. Sally? 
exclaimed Tom. Oh, yes, lovely girl. Found our phone number in the matron's papers somewhere. Said we should come straight away. Me and your dad were both so worried about you. Well, that's Sally there, said Tom, pointing to the girl in the far corner of the ward. Good morning, Mr and Mrs Charper, called out Sally. Good morning, dear, replied Mum. You must come and stay with us. Oh, I'd love that, said Tom. Me too, said Sally. This blasted matron woman put the phone down on us every time we called the ward to try and speak to you, said Dad. We were desperate for news of you. The school secretary called us after you were hit on the head playing cricket. We must have called the hospital a hundred times. Now, how is that bump on your head? Much better, Dad, replied Tom with a smile. Good, good. And Mum, Dad, I had no idea you write, wrote to me. Every week without fail we sent a letter to St Willets, said Mum. Did you not receive them? No, not one. But that doesn't make sense, said Dad. Mr Thews, my headmaster, burned them all. Dad looked angrier than Tom had ever seen him before. If I ever see that man again, oh, stay calm, Malcolm, shouted Mum. Dad breathed heavily for a few moments and his anger cooled. Well, son, rest assured that we are never sending you back to that awful school again, he said. Yes, exclaimed Tom. We'll all be together from now on, said Mum, a proper family. Come on, son, said Dad. At that moment, Tootsie came in with her breakfast trolley. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning to you all. Perfect, muttered Tom to himself. I'll just miss breakfast. The boy pulled the curtain back. Thomas, are you leaving us? she cried. Yes, and I'm sad to say I won't be staying for breakfast. Oh, what a terrible shame. And I have everything on my trolley this morning. Of course you do. Another time, perhaps. Yes. Oh, and I think I found your headmaster, Mr Thews, added Tootsie. When? Where? asked Tom. This very mo morning, in the deep freeze. What? Somehow he must have got shut in there overnight. <gasps> he was looking for me in the deep freeze last night. Horrible man, he got his just desserts, exclaimed Tom. So where is he now? Right here, said Tootsie, whipping a large cloth off her breakfast trolley. And it was indeed Mr Thews lying there, shivering. The man was covered in frost like a, a, a long-forgotten chalk ice. Ha, 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 mumbled the headmaster. It was all but impossible for him to speak, as his teeth were chattering so much. <laughs> 
I should really take him down to see if the doctors and nurses can thaw him out, said Tootsie. Oh, there's no rush, replied Tom with a smile. Chapter 61, the last chapter, a tender kiss. From out of the matron's office, Thomas Senior limped into the ward. The man had been sleeping after the adventures of last night and looked a little unsteady on his feet. However, on seeing the hospital principal, Sir Quentin Strillers, in the children's ward, he woke up in an instant. Oh, um, good morning, Sir Quentin, sir. Ah, good morning, Thomas Senior. So... Are you absolutely sure I can keep my job, Sir Quentin, sir? No, replied Sir Quentin. I am sorry to say I've changed my mind. But you said, protested Tom. I haven't finished yet, boy, snapped Strillers. Seeing how happy you make the children, I have decided to change your role at this hospital. Oh, yes, Sir Quentin, sir? Yes, you are now in charge of the children's ward. I think your title should be Doctor of Fun. Hooray, the children cheered. Oh, thank you, Sir Quentin, sir. I love it, said Sir Thomas Senior. As his parents looked on, Tom rushed over to congratulate his friend. The boy threw his arms around the new Doctor of Fun's waist. I'm so happy for you, he exclaimed. Oh, thank you, replied the man as the other children rushed over to hug him too. Amber struggled with her broken arms but found a way. But I don't think you should sleep in the basement of the hospital any more, added Sir Quentin. Uh, no, Sir Quentin, sir, replied Thomas Senior. I am sorry, sir. Tootsie approached the man. Well, if you need somewhere to stay, you can always sleep on my sofa. Really? asked Thomas Senior. Yes. Oh, that's... So very kind of you. I've never had a proper home before. Free breakfast included, replied Tootsie. I don't normally eat breakfast, lied the man. But thank you for the offer of the sofa. That would be truly wonderful. Well, it seems a great deal has changed since you were admitted here, boy, began Sir Quentin. All the better. I have to say, it was a great pleasure to have you at Lord Funt Hospital, Tim. It's Tom, replied Tom. Are you sure? Quite sure, sir. And thank you. We'd really better get going now, son, called out Tom's dad. Just a moment, dad, replied the boy. I need to say goodbye to my friends first. Tom rushed over to Sally first. So your dream did come true after all, Tom, said Sally. What did I tell you? Tom smiled, all thanks to you, Sally. The boy looked over to his other friends. I am really going to miss you guys. 
And we're all going to miss you, said George. Though on the upside, there'll be more chocolates for me, as I won't have to share them with you any more. The midnight gang just won't be the same without you, added Amber. I wish you didn't have to go, Tom, said Sally. Tom placed a tender kiss on the top of his friend's bald head. I am sorry, but I have to. Will you come and visit me here at the hospital? asked Sally. Yes, replied Tom. Promise? Promise. And I won't break it this time. The pair shared a smile. And I will never forget you, said Robin. Oh, sorry, what was your name again? He joked. <laughs> they all laughed. Goodbye, gang, said Tom. I'll think of you every night at midnight. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, let's meet in our dreams and have the wildest adventures. The boy walked towards the double doors. There he took his parents' hand in his and clasped them tight. Now they were a family again. He never wanted to let go. Tom turned back to take a final look at his friends before he disappeared from view. Epilogue. Moments later, the tall doors of the children's ward swung open again. A man in pyjamas marched in, his fingers bandaged up. I have a very serious complaint, Raj announced angrily. What? asked George. I never did get my takeaway. But, 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 let me repeat my order. Poppadoms? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that was the end of that. So tomorrow we'll start a new story, new month, new story. <gasps> How amazing is that? Um, and I've got a real, real good one already for tomorrow. So, and it's one that's been requested a few times as well. So by a few different people. So, um, get ready to listen to a new, new, new story. But I hope you enjoyed uh, The Midnight Gang. Uh, my children have enjoyed me reading it to them every evening as well so um i will read the the last bit of it to them tonight anyway you make sure that you take care and stay safe and i'll see you all again tomorrow bye for now